Imagine if you were captured by a terrorist organization, held against your will, separated from your family, and then made a slave in a distant land. One day your captor and owner is deathly ill, and the only cure is at, let's say Loma Linda, where your family are experts. What would you do? Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Well, we've got a great program today and we're joined by three terrific people. So let me have you introduce yourselves and since this whole quarter is about missionaries, tell us where you'd, if you had the opportunity, where you'd want to be a missionary. Well, my name is Duty. If I had the opportunity to be a missionary, I would love to go to my home country, India. Um, it has a lot of potential, I know, um, and there are a lot of places where, where God can put its hand into work. Mm. My name is Eric, <clears throat> and uh, you know, if I was to be a missionary somewhere, I'd probably choose um, an Asian country, because I've never been to an Asian country. I feel like it'd be a new and exciting experience. And my name is Danny, and I think if I would be a missionary, it would most likely be the Middle East, and I think possibly an Asian country because I was a missionary kid when I was younger, but I think I would love being in the Middle East. And my name is Phil, and I think I would choose somewhere in Central America. <laughs> I've always loved that culture, that the, I guess just so much about it. And then I assume I'd learn Spanish a lot better than I currently know it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's begin with scripture and prayer. And Danny, do you mind? Sure. All right. Our text is Luke 4, verse 27, and it says, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, Lord, we are so grateful for the opportunity to know your truth and to study together. And I pray that you would just be with us and give us your wisdom and your understanding. In Jesus' name we ask, Lord, amen. 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 Well, this whole story, this, this week, focuses on a story that a lot of people aren't usually, uh, a lot of people don't know, and they're not really comfortable with as far as um, the stories that they grew up with in the Bible. Usually you know of Noah, all these others. This is about a guy named Naaman. So I figured that for our sake and for our viewers and listeners, it'd be a good idea for us to retell the story of Naaman. And we're going to do it in the style that I grew up on car rides telling stories. So I'm going to start it off. Whenever you want to add to the story, just buzz in, and then uh, we'll continue until we tell the story. So basically, there was a, a man named Naaman who was high up in the, the royal guard, and he had led many armies and victories, and so he was well-respected in, in his land, especially with the king. And one day he discovered, or I'd say he was no longer able to really fulfill his duties because he had a very serious skin disease. Uh, well, this Naaman, he had a few slaves probably. Uh, we know he had one in particular who was, a, who was a girl and she was Jewish. And when she heard that her master had leprosy, she told him to go down to see a prophet in Israel named Elisha. This uh, Elisha, uh, he met with Naaman and told him to do something very strange, which was to... <laughs> Go and dip in the Jordan River seven times. Out of all rivers, <laughs> why that one? 
<laughs> and he didn't want to do it because he thought it was ridiculous. There were other rivers that lived that were closer to his area, and he also thought this was just the most ridiculous way to get healed. So mm -hmm. his servants said, if you were able, if this was a, a more complex way to get healed, you would do it without even questioning. So you should mm -hmm. do it because what do you lose? Uh, so he did it. He went down to the Jordan River, which was probably really shameful for him because it was muddy and gross and uh, not very, you know, high up in status. So he goes and he bathes. He does the thing seven times, dip in the water, come out, dip in the water, come out. And on the seventh time, he comes out and he has no leprosy, like not even a little bit. And I'm going to stop our story there. <laughs> Thank you guys for, for doing that. <laughs> our, our lesson is called The Unexpected Missionary. Mm. So to start off, I think we need to sort of have, have a baseline of what a missionary is. Mm. Um, what do you expect mm. from a missionary? What is, when you picture a missionary, what do you expect? What do you see? Have you guys even been missionaries or kind of no. a missionary family? I haven't been anywhere in the mission field or as a missionary, but I've seen people, um, a couple of my friends have been there too. Um, they've gone to Philippines, Indonesia, done missionary work. As far as I know, being a missionary um, is, is leaving whatever you have um, and going to do God's work fully committed, you know, to whatever circumstance you might be in and, and just giving your total self and, and whatever situation you're put in, you know, make the best out of it all for God's work, not for your own self. There was a story of someone that I absolutely, it, it, took, me, it took me off guard because I wasn't expecting such um, a description of a missionary. And I think the story was like, there was this lady who um, one day decided that she was going to be a missionary. And she was taking this like big black thing. And people were like, what are you taking? And it was huge. And people were like, what is this black box? And she's like, I'm taking my coffin. And this lady was like totally willing to, she was expecting that she was going to give her all and she was probably going to die. So she was bringing her coffin just in case. Well, that's crazy. So uh, a missionary is someone that, that gives their all. Yeah. yeah. I've been on a mission trip. Uh, it was only for about a week and a half down on the Amazon River. I had really did not have any intention of dying there. <laughs> uh, hopefully not, it was a week and a half, but while I was there, it was an amazing experience. You know, we got to talk to all the kids. It was like really far down the Amazon River. There was like no civilization, just a whole bunch of people living in a village. And uh, it, was, it was a very unique experience. Like people are so open and willing to learn. You know, as long as you, you show yourself, show that that you know what you're talking about and that uh, you mean it too. And Eric, you're probably expecting to come back. Right? <laughs> I definitely was expecting to come back. I probably would have been really disappointed if I hadn't come back. We're all glad you came back, just for the record. Um, so this is, our lesson is the unexpected missionary. So who in our story is the unexpected mi missionary? Um, I, the little servant girl, yeah. Uh, yeah. she, yeah. She was, she was very unexpected to be a missionary. She was taken from her home. Uh, we have no idea what, what the conditions were for her as a slave, but she was property, so what probably wasn't that great. She still had a heart for her master and spread, mm. spread her uh, what she knew. 
I'm guessing she probably saw her parents like taken away from her, right in front of her, her whole family stripped away from her, and she had to make a decision. Am I gonna make the best of this decision of the, that's already ha made for me that I have to go to this foreign country, I don't even know where I'm going, yeah. or is she going to like be miserable? I'd probably be miserable. Yeah, I know, I'm living in someone else's house, you know, totally away from your family. Um, your lifestyle is different, you have to basically answer to someone else when they tell you to do things. I'm pretty sure it might have been hard, but putting that aside and doing what, what she thought would be best in terms of what she was called to do in God's work was a really, really great thing. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I agree, because it's in this story, there are several people that are involved. And to me, it's this, this girl, whatever her age was, I'm impressed by her and I'm impressed by what she did because there are several people that like they're well respected and you know you've got Naaman who's the captain of the guard you've got you know he goes to his king and he tells his king that he's sick and the king sends a letter over to another king mm. and I feel like that king has the opportunity to really help he's, he's mm. royalty he's got influence he's got resources and that king doesn't help at all <laughs> and and I feel like in this picture the one that really has it all together, the one that really, you know, has a, a mission for ministry is this girl. Mm. Wow. You know, that, I, I really have respect for her. You know, I would probably be pretty bitter if I was someone's property, if I was taken from my home, saw my parents like killed in front of me or taken Possibly. to another master, I'd be pretty mad. I'd be like, thank goodness. You're sick. I'm so glad that you are <laughs> sick with this deadly disease. So, and, and on that, what can we learn from her example? I mean, because, mm. you know, if I were in that situation, thankfully I've never been in that situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in fact, what's kind of sad is that I've been in positions that pale in comparison to that. And yet my reaction isn't nearly as good as hers. So what lessons can we learn from her example? I mean, I think it all comes down to how your upbringing was bought. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure she had a really strong upbringing to put aside what, what, sh what situation she was in and do what she was told to do as she was brought up, you know, God's work, God's work, God's work every now and then. And, and the way she portrayed herself in that household was that, okay, I'm here to do what I'm supposed to do, but aside from that, I need to remember my four goal. I need to remember that I'm here for a purpose, and that's what my parents taught me, and that's well, what, how I was brought up. I think that's what she, you know, initially thought of doing at the very beginning when she came into that family. I'm guessing her parents didn't ha give her like a farewell letter like this is what you're supposed to do and this is how you're going to be a missionary in this home. This was all her. It was like raw, spontaneous. This was her. And mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of it was from her maybe spiritual upbringing that mm -hmm. her parents gave her. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, going back to the missionary thing, I, I feel like today a lot of us, we have such a negative, like, opinion about everything. Everything is someone else's fault. Like, why am I dealing with this? I hate this, and I will not stand for it. Mm -hmm. And by stand for it, I mean, like, you know, do the right thing. But, you know, with the missionaries, or with the people I was missionarying to, they, they had such a, like, a more happy attitude. Like, their whole culture was like, we're going to make it the best of this. Like, my house is made of mud and clay and, like, wood, and I'm going to be really happy mm -hmm. because... 
today my dad brought fish home. Mm -hmm. Like they could, <laughs> they, I'm, like they could be happy with anything. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's something I wish I could have. You know, I, I really wish, I, I try, but <laughs> you know, that's something we need to pray, pray for a lot. So, and following up with that, you, you mentioned it's something that you'd like. How could we potentially attain that? How could mm. we be in that situation where, you know, where we have that, that appreciation for whatever it is that we have, where we can have basically all of our family or material things stripped away from us and still do what God calls us to do? Mm. I mean, good. <laughs> Humility is, is something at every person's life we attain, but to maintain humility is, is something that we ought to learn every day of our life. We, I'm pretty sure we come into um, situations where, you know, we have the choice of making a decision between good and best. And, mm. and when we ought to come to confront those decisions, we always go with the best. But we know that we will be fine with even good. We know that our situation, you know, what God has provided us will be even fine with what we have with good. But we always tend to for, you know, to choose the best, best. I want the best of whatever I have. Hmm. You know, and I find that sometimes, I find that uh, I'm kind of my worst at when I'm in an individual situation that's not necessarily what I would want. Mm -hmm. and, and fortunately, I've got pretty much all of my needs taken care of. <laughs> And I'm used mm -hmm. to that. So usually it's the things that aren't even needs that really get me upset. Mm -hmm. And just the other night, I was driving, and this is a pet peeve of mine, but when, when there's traffic and there are people that use those, the exit ramps or the on-ramps, and they use that oh. to get around as much traffic as possible. And that, oh, that's just really yeah. bugging me. So, so that happened to me, and I, I was dealing with that. And it helped to just kind of get away from the situation and realize that this is one little situation mm in a, a big city, which is just kind of a smart, small part of this world, and this doesn't even matter mm. compared to what God has to offer or what my needs are or anything like that. And mm. It just kind of also helps to really focus on, like, what would God want me to do in this situation? Because mm. that's what the, the girl did. And I'm sure that there are moments where she was just devastated, crying. Mm. I'm sure it took a while, but I feel like she kind of got this turning point where she decided that she needed to continue on with what she'd been taught or what God had called her to do. Hmm. Flipping from the girl to Naaman, because a lot of times the, the story is all about Naaman. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, we know the story of Naaman. He, he has this disease. He goes to Elisha. He, Elisha tells him how to be cured, um, and he gets cured. So how can we compare ourselves, or what can we learn from, I guess, the similar, similarities that we have between us and Naaman? Well, one of the things I think as I was thinking about the lesson and everything was how difficult sometimes it is for us to obey when God tells us even a simple thing. Like, this is what I want you to do. And maybe it's not hard at all. Maybe it's, you know, just something so simple. And usually what God asks us isn't very difficult, but it just requires willpower. And I think in the case of Naaman, it... I'm sure that if it was some huge thing that required a lot of money, he would have made do. But something so simple as like go to the river and dip seven times, it was like, ah, oh, really? Like that? Why do I have to do that? And I think, you know, we can learn that obeying, I think, is huge. If we obey God a lot, well, a lot of good could happen. I think, too, setting, a, setting aside our pride, because mm -hmm. 
the Jordan River was like the dirt river. Like, if you've ever seen the, like the Mississippi River, it's just brown, dirt brown. And that's what the Jordan River looked like. And, and he's uh, like, you want me to get into this? Yeah, he's like, I'm the captain of the guard. Like, who do you think <laughs> I am? <laughs> uh, there are, like, plenty of clean rivers. But he had to stoop mm. down to, like, the lowest of the low, like, the way that poor people would have probably bathed in there. And he has to be in there, too. That's just and for I, him. And even on top of that, I love, here comes this, this military man who's just, like, a war hero almost. And he comes probably with horses and with all these things. And he goes to Elisha's house. And Elisha doesn't even come out to greet him. <laughs> like this prophet doesn't even make the time or the effort <laughs> to go out and greet hi. this guy that Welcome. came with probably an entourage. And yeah. I feel like that was another humbling thing where, yeah. you know, he had to learn to set aside that pride. Yeah. I guess. And I think that was part of God's lesson in the whole experience for him was learning that it wasn't all about him. You know, when he got to the house, he was expecting, and I think sometimes God does certain things to change our perspective on how things are, you know, for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he, like, continuing with, with what you said with Elisha, not Elisha? Or Elisha. Elisha. <laughs> Elisha, I always get them mixed <laughs> not up. Not Elijah. Elisha. Elijah. Uh, when Elisha doesn't come out of his house to greet him, that just kind of adds to the whole, like, for, you don't you don't come out to greet me. You tell me to bathe in this disgusting river. Like I bet he felt really disrespected. Like who who in their right mind would do this to me of all people? And I feel that. Like I feel like I'd probably be him. Like why would you do that? Why would you not come out to greet me? Look at how important I am, man. I came all this way, <laughs> and you're not even coming out. Yeah. I guess that you could say that he was really. I mean. In terms of thinking as a human being, I guess you could say he was really desperate to get healed. <laughs> yeah. And okay. something interesting I saw in the lesson was, or I'm sorry, in scripture, is... Um, what verse is it? It is 2 Kings 5, verse 1 and 2. I'm sorry. Do you, do you mind reading it? Sure, I would love to. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Mm -hmm. And that's, it was like listing all the things but. that are so amazing about him, yeah. but. but a leper. Mm -hmm. Well, so and in that time, like this was the worst thing that mm -hmm. could happen to you mm -hmm. because you, I mean, that could be transferred to people, so people would just stay away. Mm. Um, you know, you were in, in the Jewish culture, you were unclean. Like, this was, this mm. was a big deal. Yeah. And that's another thing that I see with ourselves, because I think, you know, in, in this world and life of sin, we've all got something. Mm -hmm. And I think it even holds us back. Like, it's holding us back from being who we could, it could be, and who we were called to be and God wants us to be. And I even feel like, you know, until we kind of, maybe we've got challenges that we're holding on to or whatever, but until we let go of that, we may not be able to do everything that we want to do or should be doing. Mm. And what I also love, and this to me is the bigger point, is that, you know, God wants to heal us. Like there was nothing Amen. that said that he wasn't interested in, in, Elisha didn't, you know, want to help him or God didn't want to help him. Mm. As soon as he came, there was an answer and a yeah. solution that would heal yeah. him. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I learned that this week about even, even in the little things, I think God works with us by layers. And yeah. like, he won't show us everything we need to surrender at once. At once. Yeah. It's, a, it's like little step by, by step, step by step. And if we're willing, because 
I don't think Naaman would have been healed if he wasn't willing to go dip in the river, even though it was nasty. Yeah. You know, he had, the willingness, the I think, obedience is huge. Part, yeah, yeah a, a lot of times we see God as someone that, like, we believe in, and therefore we have the right to be healed or mm. the right to have our prayers answered. Yeah. Good point. No matter what, like, God, I, I got baptized when I was like 14, why, why can't you answer my prayer, you know? Like, or <laughs> why can't you give happen. me the answer I want? Yeah. <laughs> but he, like, he, he, I guess he eventually, he understood. At first, you know, he says he's, he's getting really mad and his servant's like, hold up, man, like, this is a little thing. Mm -hmm. It's just a little thing, mm -hmm. that's Small all you have thing, to do. Yeah. Hmm. That's just, like, incredible. This guy, this Syrian, not even a Jew, like, had better faith than probably most people mm. today and then. And he hadn't even heard of God probably until that point. Well, and that goes along with our text where it's like, you know, there were many lepers in Israel at that time, mm. but it was Naaman that was healed. So what did he have that, that got him this healing? You know, I wonder if it wasn't, he didn't have, he didn't feel like, like the hopelessness or maybe the stigma that the other Jewish lepers felt. Because the other Jewish lepers, like they were sent to camps, and they were they were supposed to be separated from everyone, and I've, maybe that just made them feel hopeless, like they could not they couldn't do anything else. But Naaman Naaman had never like been part of the Jewish culture, so maybe things are different in Syria uh, with how they treated lepers. Yeah. But he he didn't have that preconceived notion that he couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. He had the the mind and the heart to listen and uh, do what he could. I'm guessing maybe he believed that the act of going, maybe not even, not, sorry, not the act of going, but he believed that maybe there was even, if it, even if it wasn't a lot, there was some portion of belief that he would be healed, that God's power would be on him when he was in the river. Yeah. So I think believing, because in the New Testament, Jesus would often say like, believe and your sins will be forgiven, mm -hmm. or believe and you will be healed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting, and I agree completely. Like, I, I, Jesus says over and over, it's belief, especially mm. in the book of Luke. It's always about belief mm. and faith. Mm. But I think it's so interesting in, in getting to how this all started. This all started because he had this disease. It was holding him back. And this, this girl, this servant girl, says, there's a prophet that you need to go visit, and he'll heal you. So what does it say about mission that this commander of an army was listening to a servant girl? I mean, you're talking about the guy that everybody <laughs> follows. Uh, he gives out orders to everybody, and they have to do it. And then here comes this servant girl that gives him recommendations, and he follows it. You know, I don't, I don't know about his life specifically, but my mom, she always told me this one thing. Eric, if you want something, ask for it. No matter what, like, if you think it's impossible, ask for it anyways, because the worst anyone can say is no, mm. and then you're back to where you started. Mm. Uh, so I think in many ways he probably felt the same way like what is the worst that could happen? I'm gonna go there and I'm not gonna get healed and I'm still gonna be like yeah. a dead man more yeah. or less like he just he threw it all away it's like I'm done. I, I have no other options. Mm. The servant girl seems to be sure of what she's saying mm. Let me just go Please, for it. Just let me do it mm. To me, it shows, and it talks about the influence that someone can have. And I feel like, you know, that probably started from the life that she lived. Maybe he saw that she was 
respectable, that she was, you know, she loved God or maybe even saw God's interaction and, and changes in her own life. Mm. And maybe that gave an example to him. Like, this girl seems to know what she's talking about. Yeah. And one thing I, to answer your question, Phil, I'm thinking, um, I believe that there might be some misconception in our understanding of missions because I think mission work starts in the home. Mm -hmm. Mission work starts with your friends. Yes. And I think sometimes we put like a, a cloak around it. It's like, no, you, you get you on a go plane out there. and you go to this foreign country and you are this great thing and then everyone loves you and you, you, you can be a doctor. That's like a really good way to be a missionary. <laughs> but I think we forget that it's like in the home, you know, the little things, patience, love, kindness, those are, I think, the biggest to me. Yeah. Well, this is, this is another interesting thing. Like, uh, where I went to high school, I went to a, a boarding academy and uh, by the church, the church that was by us, there was like a little awning thing, and there are those those bars. I don't know what they're called. Those bars that say like no trucks over a certain height, uh, so that they don't you know destroy the awning. Mm -hmm. Right. But uh, instead of writing the height or anything like that, which might have been important, but there was a more important thing written under. It said like caution, mission field ahead. Or maybe not caution, but mission field ahead. <laughs> <laughs> like so, everyone leaving the church like would see like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm going back into a mission field. Everything around us is a mission I field. Like mm -hmm. I, I like that. I feel like that's something that's really cool. Point. I like very, that. Very, nice. very and nice. I think the servant girl didn't have a location where she was like, this is my mission yeah. field. You know, mm -hmm. she, she, she lived and yeah. that was, you know, just influencing everyone that she came around and like those she lived around, her family and even strangers. Yeah. That's good. And yeah. that's what I like about this story because like you were saying, you know, we think of missionaries as doctors. You become a doctor, you go out and you mm. do you do medical work out in some other country. Mm. Or you become a pastor and you go out and you go to some other country and you preach and all that stuff. And the goal is to teach people about God. Yes. But sometimes the means that we do it isn't always the best. Mm -hmm. And I feel mm -hmm. like there are many ways to get word out about God and to be an example. And here this this servant girl, you know, she she just, I guess, took her lifestyle and she had that faith in God and she used other means. And then in the end, I think, you know, it's kind of interesting because Naaman becomes a missionary as well. Mm. Naaman goes back and, you know, he <laughs> says, like, I will not bow down yeah. to any other God. Like, wow. he's, he's now changed and he's now a believer in the one true God. Mm. And I just see as, you know, the captain of the, the army or whatever his position was, like, he's got a lot of influence. And I just kind of imagine that he would really change people and bring other people closer to God who saw the disease, who saw him, you know, cleansed and changed. Hmm. In a few words, share with me, uh, I guess, your favorite thing that you learned from this story, your favorite thing that you've learned today. Hmm. What the girl did. <laughs> what the slave girl did. I mean, it's beyond uh, what I can imagine being in her situation. I would, um, you know, totally not think of what I'm, you know, what I'm supposed to do, but what I'm just doing on a daily basis. But she went out of her comfort zone and did what she was supposed to do. Yeah, same here. I was really, I'm really inspired by uh, just the willingness of the servant girl. Mm -hmm. It just, it blows my mind personally. Like, wow, she was someone's property yeah. and she still cared. She, she still did what God would have wanted her to do. Well, thank you all for joining. 
If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Phil Riley.